Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today in the show, we're going to talk a little about gypsum. Is it a magic potion that is going to solve all the problems on your farm? Or what is it exactly and why are so many people talking about it and its benefits? So we'll go through gypsum a little bit today. As always, we've got the Ag PhD mailbag coming up a little bit later in the show. If you've got a question for us, you can email us radio at agphd.com. Or if you'd like to, you can give us a call here. We do have our phone lines open right now. The number is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. And again, we are live in the Morton studio today. So let's start talking about gypsum. I have heard all kinds of wild claims about gypsum over the last few years. And some of them actually are true. In some cases, gypsum is really helping people solve their soil problems. But we got to step back for a second and talk about what gypsum really is. It's simply calcium sulfate. So if your crop and or your soil needs calcium and it needs sulfur and you have a reasonably priced source for gypsum, by all means, use this product. It's awesome. It's pH neutral, so it's not going to raise or lower your pH at least instantly. And and when I say that, here's what I mean. If let's say your problem is you got super high magnesium levels and because of that, your soil pH is high. Well, if you change the balance in your soil of calcium to magnesium by applying gypsum, because the gypsum will add calcium and the sulfate in there will, to some degree, at least if you have good drainage, bind with your magnesium and flush some of the magnesium that's in excess out of your soil. You could change that ratio and over time your soil pH actually could come down. But just simply by applying gypsum, you're you're not going to see this instantaneous change in your soil pH that it's going to go way up or way down like you would if you were applying lime, where you put lime on, pH goes up in almost all cases. Anyway, with gypsum, the reason why we like it so much is because it is this great source of calcium and of sulfur. The sulfur in there is already in the sulfate form. So in other words, it's plant available right away. So as soon as you're getting any soil moisture, and keep in mind, you have to have soil moisture to get most nutrients into the plant, that sulfate's going right into your plants. Awesome. We like that sulfur in the sulfate form also because it doesn't take this long breakdown process or anything. And it can, in some cases, bind with some nutrients that are in excess. Like I was talking about magnesium. Well, if magnesium binds with sulfate, if you get this excess of magnesium in your soil, that forms magnesium sulfate, otherwise known as Epsom salts. So as long as you have good drainage in your soil, then you can flush out some of these excesses. So there are a lot of reasons why people are using gypsum. We hear a lot of talk about gypsum too in some of the soils that are, let's say, a little bit more challenging where they've got excess sodium, excess magnesium. Uh, And in in some cases, people don't even know what's wrong with the soil. They just say, oh, I got alkali out there and I put gypsum on and it works. Okay, well, that's all great to talk about. But I want to go back to something I said a minute ago. If you have good drainage, 
then the gypsum helps you flush excesses out of the soil. If you do not have good drainage, gypsum isn't going to magically solve your problems. So I think I was talking about this on the show just a day or two ago where I got this call from an agronomist up in North Dakota. And he had somebody who was asking about gypsum. And he goes, what do you think? You think gypsum will help them? And I go, well, number one, I don't know because I haven't seen the soil test. But number two, if the person needs drainage help, which in this case the person did, then you got to fix that first. If you don't tile and fix the drainage problem, then it's not going to do you any good to throw a whole bunch of gypsum out there if your soil already has good levels of calcium and sulfur. So sure, if you're short on calcium and sulfur and you have poor drainage, could gypsum help you? Well, yes, but it's only going to help feed the plant. It's not going to help flush those excesses out of the soil because you don't have the good drainage. So anyway, we'll talk a little more about gypsum throughout the show today, but right now let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Okay, I got this one from Mark out in Maryland, and he said, just want to give everybody else that's listening today a heads up. We got fall armyworm issues in some of the small wheat and barley fields that are out there. And he said, keep an eye out for the armyworms. There's also some aphids out there because we've had such warm October weather. Uh, while the seed treatments don't work very well on either of those, what would you guys recommend for fall armyworm control and also any aphids that may be out there? Well, pyrethroids are great. So you can go with a cheap pyrethroid for two or three bucks an acre and you'll wipe out your armyworm problem. In terms of aphids, pyrethroids are what I would say good on aphids. Because Lorsban is still technically on the market today, then you could potentially use that. But otherwise, with Lorsban going off the market, then you're looking at maybe, a let's say it's dimethoate or something else that's out of the pyrethroid family that might give you a little bit more activity on aphids. But yeah, for me, I'm going to just start with a cheap pyrethroid because it doesn't cost a whole lot of money. Let me also say, I've heard more stories about army worms this year than I'm pretty sure I ever have in my life. I don't know exactly why. And this is one of the things we often talk about. We can't predict bug populations. All we can do is tell you to scout your fields on a regular basis. When you see a problem bug, move fairly quickly. Now with army worms, I'm going to tell you your best shot is spraying the day you scout that field. Army worms can move in waves and they can wipe out parts or full fields even in a very, very short amount of time. So let's just say that the retailer you work with is closed on Saturdays and Sundays and you scout your field at 5 p.m. on Friday and you go, well, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll just wait and pick up my stuff on Monday morning. You come back to the field and the field's gone. So this is a this is a reason why it's it's kind of nice to have some insecticide on hand on your farm all the time. It doesn't cost a lot of money. When you start talking $3 an acre or $2 an acre, it's not a real big investment. But if you have it around, you can spray if you have one of these problems that happens to pop up and you need to treat quickly. All right, you're in for a real treat after this break. we got Neil Kinsey coming on. He's with Kinsey Ag Services. We talk about Neil often here on the show. He'll be with us right after this. We now bring you an important news bulletin. This just in from Live Action News. Innovation has come to the world of burndown. 
New Elevore herbicide controls your toughest weeds. Even glyphosate and ALS-resistant weeds like mare's tail and henbit. Talk with your retailer about Elevore herbicide today and ask how you can start elevating your burndown. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. And we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Beat resistant weeds with Tough IVC on your team. Add Tough IVC into your post-emergent tank mix and even the playing field. Tough IVC, a selective contact herbicide, synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Tough IVC increases control of some of the toughest to kill herbicide resistant weeds, such as Palmer Amaranth and Waterhem. Ask your local retailer about Tough IVC or visit BelgiumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. Brian was talking about this just before the break, but you're in for a real treat. We're talking about gypsum today, which is, of course, calcium sulfate, and how that could be useful for you in crops where we would see a benefit from adding that product, when to do it, how to how to choose things correctly, and so forth. And we've got our friend Neil Kinsey on with us right now with Kinsey Ag Services. And, of course, Neil has been... Uh, a great presenter for us. We've had Neil at the Morton Center here right at the Ag PhD Field Day site now multiple times, and he's coming back again next spring to do uh, another seminar there, which will be a lot of fun. I know we get a ton of people that come from all over anytime we get Neil around. So real excited to have you on the air today, Neil. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, so Brian had mentioned earlier that we hear all these stories about gypsum. You get to work with so many farmers from all over raising lots of different crops. Uh, can you give us a good example of, of somebody who's really benefited from gypsum and, and why you thought that was a great recommendation for them in the first place? Uh, well, uh, early on, uh, early 1970s, had a, a farmer with about oh, 2,000 acres, principally cotton, uh, just down the, on the Missouri-Arkansas line, and uh, he had always looked at pH to determine whether to lime or not. Well, he, the thing about it was he could get dolomitic lime, or what he called red lime, for less money than he could get calcitic lime or white lime, and it raised the pH faster anyway. So... He would always buy the red lime and put that on the the soils, and the magnesium kept getting higher and higher and higher. That was really uh, a big part of that 
pH, but his yields kept going down. He lost about uh, a third of his yield on cotton. So we came in and analyzed the soils. We don't ask the farmers to tell us in the beginning. It was just a matter of one of the other farmers that had told him about us. We went in and analyzed the soils. I came and sat down and explained to him and I said, your magnesium is really high and we need to do something to move that out. Well, at that time, uh, he could get gypsum applied on the field uh, for about $20 a ton. And uh, that was hauling and everything. It took. We sat down and calculated, and I said, "If you if you use this, it's going to take you about three years to get all this magnesium down, and the calcium that's in the gypsum is going to be an advantage for you because as the as the sulfur takes out the magnesium, the calcium is going to uh, increase in those soils. And based on what you have here, I'd recommend you just use the gypsum until we can't use it anymore." Three years later, basically all that soil, the magnesium was back down where it needed to be in that 10 to 12% range. And he and his son-in-law would tell anybody, they even went to the gin where the cotton was being ginned, and they told the owner there, look, as soon as that magnesium got below 12, we went from a bale and a half of cotton to two to two and a half bales of cotton just like that. They said, and it didn't happen until we got that magnesium down. Well, using the sulfur in that gypsum, which when you sat down and calculated it out, it was going to take about a thousand pounds of sulfur and three tons of gypsum has about a thousand pounds of sulfur in it. And he could stand all the calcium because it, the gypsum has the equivalent of three quarters of a ton of high calcium limestone. Now, a lot of people say, well, let's just put that on all at once. Let's put it all on this year. That's a big mistake. Dr. Albrecht used to always point out, never apply more than one ton of gypsum per year. Well, why is that? Uh, he didn't say. So we had, to, uh, and when I finished studying under him, uh, maybe he said to other people, but he didn't say when I heard him say it. And uh, so I had to go out and learn by learn it, learn it the hard way, Neil. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> we, we often do that here. Well, and I, I joke about this. I always tease Brian because uh, Brian's funny for, hey, I put 10 pounds on. Let's try 20 next year. If 10 worked, putting more on will be better. And I say, that's the moron theory, Brian. We don't want the moron. Well, a ton already sounds like a lot, but I know what you mean when you're paying for somebody else to spread it that sometimes guys will say, well, I, why don't I just get it all done at one shot and save the application? I'll just put more on than that. And, uh, and yeah, you're right. You can have some issues. So what do you see when we've overdone any calcium source, we end up tying up micronutrients and creating other issues in our field. What, what has been your experience? Well, when we overdo a calcium source that actually increases the calcium, yes, that's true. But what we find when we use two tons of gypsum or three tons of gypsum instead of one ton, instead of the calcium going up, you give it a year and the calcium actually drops instead of going up, even though we're adding that calcium there. And at first, I couldn't understand that, but think about this. When you put on three tons of gypsum, you just put on 1,000 pounds of sulfur. Yeah. And when the calcium is when – when you're using gypsum and the calcium is, is even correct – putting on that extra gypsum will actually reduce 
the calcium over that year because so much sulfur's got to move through. And whether you put on a ton or three tons, 12 months later, unless you have a compaction layer there, all that sulfur's going to be gone because that's, that's what uh, – this is just uh, – in speaking in uh, – uh, exemplary terms, but anyway, that the job of that sulfur is first to feed the crop, but then after that, everything that's left, the sooner it moves out, the sooner you get rid of your excesses, and that's what we look at sulfur for: first to feed the crop, then to get rid of the excess. Well, that three that three hundred pounds that's put on is not going to do nearly; it's not going to take out nearly as much as that thousand pounds we put on. Actually, about three hundred and thirty-five pounds per ton on a pure gypsum. So. What we find is when we when we do more than a ton of gypsum, even though we've corrected our calcium, gotten it above 60%, and that's another issue that needs to be looked at. You always want to be sure there's adequate calcium there to keep the porosity of the soil open. What is that? Well, if you've got 60% saturation of calcium, that's enough to, that the soil has enough porosity that the sulfur can actually take magnesium or potassium or sodium through without clogging up the pore space because calcium's job is to flocculate the particles in the soil or the clay particles and when it does that it pulls them together which actually creates more porosity or more space in that soil what's the job of magnesium potassium and sodium in terms of structure to disperse the clay particles until we get at least 60% saturation of calcium we don't have enough calcium there to overcome the ability of the magnesium potassium or sodium to disperse the clay particles spread them out and it tightens that soil up and like stopping up a stream or something so as a consequence first of all we need to be sure if we're going to use gypsum that we can keep the calcium percentage above 60% if you're already at 60%, there's enough calcium in the gypsum to keep it above 60%. But if you're down in the 57% range and it's a real heavy soil, there's not enough calcium there to keep you above 60%, maybe in a sand. What you do then is you sit down and figure, well, how much calcium, uh, if we put on a ton of gypsum, what's that going to do to the calcium percentage if it's down in the 50s? If on the test we use, and this, as you know, will vary from one test to another as to how this would figure, because the numbers are different. But on the test we use, when we can put on enough calcium from a ton of gypsum or less to get us above 64% calcium, there's not going to be enough sulfur going through to pull it back down below 60, and consequently we can get rid of an excess of sodium or an excess of potassium or an excess of magnesium if you put enough on there to take care of the crop and then extra. Well, with a ton of gypsum, 335 pounds of sulfur is a whole lot more than you need for any crop I know. Oh, absolutely. And you're you're right about getting rid of some of the excesses out there. That seems to be some of the biggest challenges we see in a lot of these soil tests. We're talking with Neil Kinsey here on our show today. And, Neil, if you can stick around for, for one more segment, we'd love to have you. Okay, sure can. Okay, we'll take a quick break here, and then we do have the phone lines open as well at 844-44-AG-PHD if you have any agronomic questions. Talking about gypsum with Neil Kinsey on our show today. Stay tuned.
boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from Farm Shop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit farmshopmfg.com for more. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Winter is here, and that means it's the perfect time to improve your farming operation by attending Ag PhD's winter workshops and clinics. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting a bunch of free workshops throughout January and February, with each event focusing on different subjects that all help you make more money on the farm. On January 11th, we start off with a wheat agronomy workshop, followed by two days dedicated to understanding soils and cutting fertilizer expenses. Then on Monday, January 31st, we're dedicating a whole day to drainage and the benefits of tile, followed by our corn agronomy workshop on February 1st. Finally, we'll be discussing soybean agronomy on February 15th, with the next day fully devoted to learning about one of the newest developments in increasing yields across the country, natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information on how to improve your farm, and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, all these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Man, I love it when we have Neil Kinsey on. Uh, Brian's all shades of excited, and the phone lines are starting to light up. Uh, hey, one one thing before we get back to, to Neil, though. Darren and I were just talking during the break, and he goes, yeah, Neil said you have to make sure you keep your calcium up before you're doing some of these things. Let's keep in mind that everybody's test is a little bit different. So, for example, on Neil's test, it includes other bases, whereas 
the tests we run on Midwest Labs and a lot of these other labs, they don't have other bases. So what we've kind of found is, well, Neil may say, oh, I need to be at whatever, 65%. For us, that means 60%. So, I mean, some of these things are a little bit relative, but I mean, it's all good stuff. I'm just saying, make sure well, that think, you're, you know you what you're reading. I think you always do a good job at that, lab. Neil. You always talk about that. Each lab does things a little different. So if you're using a different lab, you've got to adjust accordingly, correct? That's right. And some of the labs, those numbers will be higher, and some of the labs, those numbers will be lower. But you can watch what happens in the field and get a good idea as time goes on whether it's working or not. Uh, at one time, I would put on a presentation said you should only use one ton of gypsum. And a fellow that's still a client of ours today that I deeply respect came to me afterwards, didn't say anything during the meeting, but afterward he came up and said, you know, Neil, you said one ton of gypsum always works the best but he said we find we have to put on three tons to get the best results well uh you know what do you say uh, other than well uh, let's take a look at that he was going to start sending samples to us on about three thousand acres anyway and uh, so he sent a sample of his gypsum well it turns out it took three tons of that product to be equivalent of one ton of gypsum to get 450 pounds of calcium and 335 pounds of sulfur took three tons to the acre rather than one. So that's another place where unless you know the analysis of what you're putting on, we've got some fellows around here that thought they were putting on gypsum. Basically, it was a calcium source with just maybe 6% sulfur in it. Really wasn't gypsum at all. And so uh, many times until you check what you're putting on there, you don't really know for sure what kind of results are going to happen. That's great advice. Uh, Neil, we got a caller that's calling in. It's our friend Gary up in Saskatchewan. He's always got some challenges up there. Gary, thanks for calling in. What can we do for you? Hi, guys, and great to have Mr. Kinsey on. I just respect him immensely. What a great bunch of information he has and wish uh, there was more people like him, but there seems to be less as time goes on. Well, we're working on cloning Neil. We'll see if we can get that done. I don't know if Neil's up for that or not. But uh, what questions have you got, Gary? I know you're always working on tiling stuff up there, and we've been talking gypsum so far. Are you more interested in the calcium side of this or the sulfur side? Well, both. Uh, yeah, tiling some more salinity areas this year, and we'll call it, on average, 58% calcium, 7% sodium, and thousands and thousands of pounds of sulfur there. Uh, once we have it tiled and hopefully get some flushing rains, is that going to naturally sort itself out over time, or, or would gypsum be a fit there? Well, first of all, uh, I would say if, uh, if that was a test of ours, we'd be looking at the exchange capacity and high, seeing, very high. seeing 40s what... And 50s. In 40s and 50s, if you've got a 58% yeah. calcium and you want to use gypsum, I would say that there's no chance your 450 pounds of calcium is going to get you above 60%. First thing we'd do is calculate how much calcium carbonate or equivalent calcium it would take to get you above the 60% saturation. And then as soon as we had put on enough to do that, then we'd start recommending the rest of that be taken care of with gypsum. But did you say you had thousands of pounds of sulfur in there right now? That's correct. Is that, is that, was that your comment? Then what I would yep. tell you is if you've got all that sulfur in there already, I wouldn't put any more sulfur on until that sulfur went down 
just dropped out the bottom. In other words, uh, when you got down maybe below 100. But uh, right now, sit down and calculate uh, how much, how many pounds of sodium do you have to get rid of. Well, for each pound of sodium, it's going to take a pound of calcium, uh, so a pound of sulfur. So one to one. But then if you've got uh, any excess magnesium as well, which a lot of those soils do, then you yep. look and see, well, how much excessive magnesium do I have there? Take that times two because it's a double plus charge. We need two pounds of sulfur to get out a pound of magnesium. When you calculate how much that how much sulfur is going to take to get rid of the sodium, which will go easier, and how much is going to take to get rid of the magnesium, there's one other step that you should do first, and that is add your calcium, magnesium, potassium, and sodium together, the percentage of each one of them. Now, on the test that we use, like Brian was saying there, we use other bases as well. So there, it, that, it, this may be a little different from somebody else's soil test. But when you add all those together on our test, if it totals to be uh, 89% or so, then what that means is all you need to do is correct whatever is missing. So if you've got 80, 88 89%, 90% between all four of those, all you really need to do is correct that 58% calcium, push it up, and that's okay. going to be the biggest thing to, to get rid of those excesses. Take care of your deficiencies first. Now, if you're above 89%, there's definitely going to be some extra sulfur needed, but you've got tremendous amounts of sulfur there, so I wouldn't look for anything that had to try to find to put more sulfur on until I made sure the that what that sulfur was there was not going to take out more than you needed to take out because you put on more sulfur even if even after you take care of everything that's excess if that sulfur is not used by the crop it's going to take out something else in addition so neil so, what gary described there is actually fairly common in the northern united states and in southern canada when we look at soil tests it is, i often see in these poorly drained areas where they have thousands of parts per million of sulfur and a lot of guys are like well should i add gypsum should i add this should i add that i go well let's fix the drainage thing first and let's see what happens here in just a little bit of time because my assumption is we're going to flush all kinds of stuff out and my other concern neil is i'll get one test for a whole field or two tests for a whole field and it might be a quarter section or a half section and i got two tests that doesn't that doesn't lead me to where I want to go. If I had one acre grids, then I could answer it and 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 feel more just like you did right there, where you said, okay, it's exactly this, it's exactly this, it's exactly this. But the problem is, in a lot of cases, I feel like we're making kind of a blanket recommendation here, and we don't really truly know on each acre how are we doing. So that's where I usually just tell guys, look, if you got that much sulfur, let's fix the drainage first, and then let's retest here in three four years and see what happens to these high levels that you've got of magnesium and sodium and everything else because I just I don't know and I'm not willing to take a guess on that many acres and only one test. I agree and there's a test that farmers can do for themselves when they're taking tests on large fields like that. If you have big variations in the exchange capacity and some of the other nutrients there that generally indicates you're taking too large an area into a sample. If you even after you've isolated things down and you say, well, the exchange capacity this year was 15 and last year it was 25 and this year it's uh, uh, back to 18 or whatever, well, you shouldn't get those kind of variations in exchange capacity if you have a good even field. Uh, 
a little bit of variation is you, you you expect that depending on if you don't put your probe back in the same place you can have a little bit of variation but you don't want huge variations because it's going to give you the wrong answer for probably everything in that field except maybe one little average spot or whatever I'm, maybe it's a big average spot but it's too easy just like you say you you need some exact numbers in order to know what to do but if you total those together they're 89 percent there's one other thing that a lot of people in those soils not just there but you go all the way out into the high magnesium soils of california and so forth and you put the calcium on that's calculated even though you added it up to and it was 89 percent you say all i need is just this much calcium you put that calcium on and think you've taken care of it and then you come back next year or the year after and measure it and Instead of the magnesium going down like it's supposed to, it goes up. And it's not because there was magnesium in the limestone. That means it'll go up even more. But there are many of these heavy clay soils that has magnesium trapped in between the clay plates. And when you put that calcium on, break up those plates, it releases that free magnesium. It's not measurable as long as it's in between the clay plates. Uh, but this when it gets this whole thing free, just isn't that easy, and that's why we bring on Neil Kinsey, who is the expert on so many things related to soils. We'll have more with Neil right after this. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts, and nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago Cornheads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. How can natural products help you raise bigger and better crops? I'm Darren Hefty. In recent years, natural products have exploded onto the market claiming to improve soil health and plant development. But what's right for your farm? That's why we're devoting a full day to our first ever Ag PhD Naturals Workshop. It's Wednesday, February 16th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. Our research team has spent years testing hundreds of natural products. We wanna share with you what we've learned. For more about this free event, go to agphd.com. While you're there, check out other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to helping you understand soils and making your own fertility recommendations, and much more. There's great information here that we want to share with you. So to learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it all with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. 
Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about gypsum on today's program, but also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or by email radio at agphd.com. We're talking with Neil Kinsey with Kinsey Ag Services. We get a lot of requests to have Neil back on the show, and uh, Neil's been so gracious with his time today. We really appreciate that. And we've also got a, a caller on from Saskatchewan. We've got our friend Gary on, uh, who's got one more question for Neil. Uh, Neil, did you need to finish up? I know we ran into a commercial break there. I'm, I, I thought you were uh, close to finishing up your thought, but maybe you had a little bit more. I, I believe that uh, I was close enough there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought so, too. <laughs> okay, okay, Gary, you had one more question. Go ahead. Well, well just before I went any farther, uh, like if I was phoning in and it was just Darren there, well, I'd get away with a lot more because he's pretty affable. But when it's Brian on the other end, I don't dare risk his wrath. That's the only <laughs> thing I need to or else I wouldn't be brave enough to phone in with the results. Oh, you're so making happy. Brian too happy, Gary. Brian's, <laughs> Brian's getting excited over here. Hey, hey, I like to try to tell it like it is. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to run for political office or anything like that. Let's put it that way, Gary. I'm, I, you know, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> go ahead. What's your question? Good, good for you. Don't change. <laughs> um, so having said that, we've got our one acre grid, and I'm reasonably comfortable with them being accurate. Um, so we're a shade short on calcium. And I know we're short on potassium. So give it a little time to flush through the tile. And then if we're still in that state, we would add lime first and then potassium. Is that correct? Well, Gary, if it were my land and I had 58% calcium, and this was a test that uh, we'd run through our lab, I wouldn't wait for anything. I'd see what it took to get that calcium at least up into the mid-60s and put on some calcium quickly because uh, when that sulfur starts leaving, once it gets rid of any excesses, if there's any left over, guess what it's going to take? It takes calcium out the easiest of anything, and calcium especially is taken out by sulfur if you're below 60% saturation on our test or whatever that might be equivalent to on the test you might be using. Uh, yeah. Neil, so, that's that's so, kind of my fear is that he's not below sixty percent on the test you would be running. He is on his test, and so Gary, maybe it, he, since and he's got tons of sulfur out there, well, so to uh, me that says that just screams we better get some calcium. Okay, out so so Gary, here's here's what I would do. So if you want Neil to very specifically answer your question, you could take a soil sample from somewhere that's kind of representative, and then you know somewhere you already have your tests run from. Just take a soil sample, send it into Neil's lab, see what Neil says, and look at what his numbers are. I'll bet you that his 
uh, calcium percentage might come out a little bit different, but it, it would be interesting just to see. But yeah, to Neil's point, I mean, you're just a little low. It's not it's not terrible, and that's why I, I just... So Neil, I, I worry a lot of times when we say we're below on K, we've found better response on the K than from the calcium. I'm not saying the calcium is the wrong answer or anything. I'm just saying I certainly don't want to neglect the K Well, I am also addressing some of the calcium. You're, ab- you're absolutely right, and I don't want him to neglect the K either. Uh, as a matter of fact, we try to always point out, if we're looking to grow the next crop, what do you focus on? For plants, for crops, N, P, K, and S, those, those four. And sound like he's got plenty of S. Uh, the P, the N, and K, N and P we'll have to look at, but definitely he has a potassium deficiency, and we always say, Take care of the potassium. Make sure you've at least got enough there to grow the yield for your crop that you're wanting to grow over and above 2%. Keep that, keep that, uh, that's just absolute minimum. But then calcium is the, for plants, calcium is the nutrient in the soil that gets the potassium into the plant. So we also increase the uptake of potassium by getting some calcium on. If we had to make a choice, I'd choose potassium for the next crop. If we if we have the ability to do both, then putting the limestone on as soon as possible would get the best results because it's going to take three years anyway. So, uh, right. and and if he's above sixty percent on our test, then we we would still tell him to use calcium and not gypsum with all the from the sound of all the sulfur he has there. Understood. Thank you so much again. Appreciate it, and keep up the good work. Okay, thank you, Gary. Uh, before we get too far in, I'd like everybody out there to know that I am a big fan of gypsum. I am not against it. <laughs> you know, it's it's interesting, though, with all these things, there isn't something that you say, oh, man, everybody should use it, and it fits in every situation. We're picking and choosing. We're looking at the soil tests. We're trying to understand what the farming practices are and so forth. And then, like you said, using some common sense of uh, one ton is plenty. Let's not overdo that and, and really have some crazy things going on in the field. Now, when I think about gypsum, you mentioned you like it. But do you see a lot of variance? Because I know we've got different sources of gypsum just all across the country. What do you see and what should people be looking for? We do see a lot of variation, uh, especially in terms of mined gypsum. Uh, What the textbook definition of gypsum is 450 pounds calcium per ton and 335 pounds of sulfur per ton. So we use that to judge gypsum products as far as uh, just if a, if a farmer doesn't have a spec sheet from whoever he's getting this from then we tell him you should have it checked somewhere and they can check it with another lab or whatever but uh, we just would like to have some kind of an indication how much calcium how much sulfur is in that gypsum once we know that then we can start determining how much we have to put on to get the equivalent reaction of a ton of gypsum and sometimes the sulfur the sulfur and calcium will be so different that one by the time you get enough of one you're going to have too much of the other so what what we stop at is when we get enough of the sulfur there and then say all right that's 335 pounds of sulfur if the calcium is lacking we'll use some other source to supply the rest of that calcium there's another thing that happens as well and that is we find that uh, in some areas of the U.S. and other parts of the world, 
you can actually take a soil test, figure out how much gypsum you need, and then use the same uh, amount of calcium from a high calcium, good quali- high quality, high calcium limestone, and the same amount of sulfur from an elemental sulfur, and get the same response. But it, it depends on which one costs the least. There are areas of the country where 450 pounds of calcium from calcium carbonate and 335 pounds of elemental sulfur actually costs less than the same uh, that you, if you got the same in a ton of gypsum. Uh, the 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 difference there being that the uh, calcium in the calcium sulfate or gypsum, you get all of it in 12 months. In calcium carbonate, it takes three years to get that full response, and the elemental sulfur is going to be slower. So, yes, there is some difference in time lapse there, but it can be done. depends on how much more costly it is to put a ton of gypsum on than it is to put the same equivalent of calcium and sulfur from uh, elemental sulfur and calcium carbonate. Yeah, I think that's one thing where you have a product named gypsum rather than just saying calcium sulfate. And then you think, oh, no, gypsum, I can't replace it. But you're right. There there are different ways to to put things together. And if that's how the economics work for your area, we, we hear this all the time with lime, too, that growers say, man, lime's really expensive for me. Pelletized lime is going to be a more reasonable way for me to get things done in my area. You know, the same thing could be true with gypsum. Maybe it's pelletized gypsum that you've got in your area. What do you think about using the pelletized versus the broadcast? Uh, that's something we could talk about a little bit. I guess we're, we're, we got about a minute till we get another break here, Neil. Well, as far as pelletized versus gypsum, uh, gypsum, to me, if you get a good gypsum, a year from now, you're not going to see any remains of that gypsum left between the sulfur, for the sulfur side, and the calcium portion should rise up. You should see what you're going to get in terms of the calcium in 12 months. I like pelletized gypsum in this way, and that is if you need it in small amounts, you can blend it in with other fertilizers and get a better spread and so forth. Is there a big advantage to pelletized gypsum over regular gypsum if you needed 500 pounds of both? I don't really see that there's an advantage because that gypsum will work whether whether it's one way or the other. That That's just my opinion, and that's what I'd tell a client. If you can buy pelletized gypsum for the same price, fine, but generally it's going to be more costly yeah. and it needs to be something to justify the the difference. You're right. It does oftentimes get a lot more expensive. Okay, we'll continue our discussion with Neil Kinsey coming up right after this. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice with powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, 
Do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Nothing waits for a farmer. Not the weather, the banker, the crops. It's never at a farmer's convenience. So when it comes to crop protection savings programs, how come they get to ask you to wait for a rebate? Don't wait for rebates. Get the True Choice offer from Corteva AgriScience for instant upfront savings on crop protection products. Ask your local Pioneer sales representative or your crop protection retailer about the True Choice offer from Corteva. But don't wait. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio today. We do have our phone lines open. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We're talking gypsum on today's program and also taking calls and questions. And we've got Neil Kinsey on with us, who's been just a great, great wealth of knowledge for us. Brian and I have learned so much from Neil and uh, really enjoy talking to him about fertility and other things. And, and Neil, one of the things that I know we wanted to get to before we finish the show up today is sodic soils. We have so many of our listeners uh, in the Dakotas and Minnesota and up into Canada, just in the north, and they're fighting these high-sodium-level soils. And you've been talking about how you can get rid of some of those excesses. Sodium seems to be one of the tougher ones for us to get rid of. I, I wonder if you've got a story about somebody that had this type of situation and how long it took and, and what kind of efforts were successful repairing and, and uh, uh, returning a sodic soil into productivity. Well, I probably would have several. The, the first one that I ever experienced was actually right here in southeast Missouri. We have, along the St. Francis River, the border between Missouri and Arkansas, we have actual salt pockets that when they come in and put soil to grade, if they have to cut very deep into the subsoil, they'll actually hit salt pockets, and it's white. It's, it's salt. And uh, one client that I had had a 125-acre field, and right in the middle of it was a spot, about 25 acres of that field. And when they planted it in soybeans, the beans would come up and get about 12 inches tall. The leaves would begin to crinkle. It'll turn sort of a blue-green, and then they started to die. They never made a crop. Uh, when they planted it in grain sorghum, it would come up, and then before it ever headed, it would be dead. They, you know, just 25 acres of salt. Uh, 
when they had me come in and analyze the soils, they said, well, you know, go ahead and analyze that salt pocket, see if there's anything we can do. Well, we analyzed the pocket and came back, and they had treated everything with the same amount of limestone probably about six years before. Helped everything else, but that spot didn't. When we analyzed that, and this is what you generally always find anywhere in the world, that sodium is a really bad problem, and that is the calcium saturation is far too low. In other words, nowhere close to 60. And the first key to getting rid of sodium toxicity is to correct your calcium and magnesium. And I mean both. It's many times it's, when you look at it, your magnesium might be, say, 15%, and you say, well, I don't need any magnesium. But if you add the calcium to magnesium together, and that totals less than 78%, that means you're going to need to add some magnesium as well as calcium on, again, You'd have to adjust those numbers according to your test, but you're going to need some magnesium as well as calcium to correct that without causing a magnesium deficiency. Well, first key, though, is it takes a lot of calcium, and we can put calcium on and push that up and start to see differences. It turned out they needed four tons of calcium carbonate limestone. They'd already put on two tons of calcium carbonate and two tons of dolomitic limestone uh, about three or four years before. It had already done everything it was going to do. They came in, put that on, and I said, whatever you do, though, don't plant that in soybeans. They could, they could plant rice there. Well, the next year, they sure enough, they planted it in soybeans. And uh, they called me and said, well, we just had to plant that in soybeans, but we'll watch and see what happened. Well, that year, that spot, they estimated, that was before yield monitors, uh, but they estimated it made about 20 to 25 bushels. They said, that's better than we've ever made. But within three years' time, that soil turned from white to brown. You couldn't pick it out from the rest of the field. And they grow, after that, they said, uh, after those three years, because it took that long for the limestone to really kick in and do what it needed to do, you couldn't pick it out from the rest of the field. Wow. The yields were there. Everything was there. Everything worked out just exactly like it should. If you come in there and you have an excess of sodium, I've never seen a situation where sodium is in excess that calcium and magnesium weren't a factor because they have a double plus charge. And the first thing that happens when you come in to put the calcium on, it'll start pushing that sodium right off the colloid and taking its place. And whether that's all that happens or not, uh, I would say if we st if we correct the calcium magnesium and still have a sodium excess, the key then is keep your calcium up above sixty so that sulfur will work, and use gypsum if your if your calcium is not up in that seventy percent category or so. We'll use gypsum to do it because we're getting calcium and sulfur both. If the calcium is already up to the point where you say, well, uh, gypsum's too expensive or limestone will work, then we just use the limestone to keep that up and then use elemental sulfur and as much sulfates as possible to pull that out of there. And it will work in any high-sodium soil. All you have to do is put enough of what's there. The question is, how many tons does it take, and is that going to be economical enough for somebody to do? Yep, the economics definitely play out here, and it's it's interesting because everything you're talking about, Neil, you got a little bit of chemistry in here, a little bit of math in here, a lot of experience, and you know, there's just a lot of different ways to solve these problems. And uh, of course, Neil's got a wealth of experience 
really around the world on just about any crop you can think of. Brian, you wanted but, to add something. Well, there. yeah, it's just when you said that, Neil, can you afford it? That just got me thinking. What we often say to people is, look, your soil didn't become 15% sodium overnight. This has been going on for decades, and it hasn't been addressed. And it's the unfortunate thing when you don't soil test and you're not paying attention to that. And, I mean, like on our farm, too, our dad never soil tested. Never. Well, I'll take that back. Like once or twice ever, like in a couple spots. That's it. And so this was just kind of the the way things were done. And it's like, oh, well, here's what the crop needs. Just put out what the crop needs. But if you don't look at this sodium thing, it can affect not just your kids, but even your grandkids. So just a, uh, a year ago when we were doing a soils clinic, there was a lady that came up and she was literally crying after our soils clinic because she showed me the soil test and it was like 30% sodium. <laughs> I'm going... Yeah, you know, honestly, yes, it can be fixed, but it's going to take a really long time and cost a lot of money. And so the the problem was she had gotten saddled with this land from I don't remember if it was her dad or her grandpa. And it's like, okay, well, what do you do with this now? I mean, fortunately, it wasn't a huge area, but she said we can't even get a tillage tool into this type of ground now. So I mean, let's say it is that bad, and let's say you do want to make some kind of correction, but you're seeing thirty percent so there. I, I mean, it, it is, like you said, the start, calcium and magnesium, because these people are really discouraged when they see things like that, obviously. If, if, you're, if you're in the soils, like in the 40 and 50 exchanges, uh, the, the question you're asking me here is a little bit harder to answer in that there are some things that you can do for a year or two that would help out, possibly, at 30% sodium, I'm not sure. Right. But maybe at 8 or 10% sodium, yes, and that is you can use some pelletized lime and get the, so- the calcium saturation up around the soil solution around the root hairs, and that's why do we want 60% saturation of calcium in the soil. Well, could it be because you, when you get the calcium above 60% saturation in that uh, soil solution, it's, that's when the plant is most efficient at taking up N, P, and K? So if you get a pelletized line, put it close by the plant, build that up so that you can get that calcium solution up, which is going to get more nutrients into the plant. Yes, that can be a short-term fix, but that doesn't work but about one or two years and then all of a sudden other things pop up to be the problem. So correcting that calcium uh, is a long-term fix, and I would say then it depends on what kind of yields your soil has the capability of making around that area. If you're just barely making, like in Dalhart, Texas, and making you don't get enough rain, you only make 10 or 20 bushel wheat in a big area, then it's not going to be very... uh, affordable right put all that calcium on but if you're in uh, arizona raising vegetables man you can do it just like that because the sooner you can correct it i mean you can make your money back really quick the the question is how can you do those things and so the the real thing the real thing to consider here is putting on sulfur and sulfates on that sodium is never going to get rid of it that's why we have so much land that's salted out in the southwestern United States because they kept on pouring on gypsum and pouring on gypsum and pouring on gypsum to try to get rid of the sodium. And instead of getting rid of it, it kept in getting higher and higher. And the reason was 
the calcium kept getting lower and lower. Great stuff, Neil. Calcium is the answer to helping get rid of that sodium. Yep. Really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you, as always. And we kind of hated to end on, it may have sounded like a bad note, but this is why we really encourage you a soil test so your ground doesn't get in that kind of shape. Again, gypsum's a fantastic product. Just got to use it in the right places. Thanks for listening to our program today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.